conversation with Joshua T. Berglund and Purdeep Singh. Listen, I am so excited to have you here. I, for all of the things that you've accomplished, which is a lot, the story of your father, how he came to America with $11 and then to hear your story. There's so many just freaking awesome things to touch on that I don't know if we're going to get to all of it. But the thing that really moves my heart most about you and that inspires me and that I look to you and go, man, I want to do what this dude's doing is that not only are you successful in business, you obviously take care of yourself health-wise, but to be a complete man, you also, family is extremely important to you. And so to me, you are the complete package and I'm just honored to have you here. Oh, thank you. I truly appreciate that. Before we get into the conversation, do you mind telling us what you're grateful for today and why? Yeah, I'm grateful today for my kids. So my kids today, they had a little bit of a hiccup in terms of their morning routine, but, but that keeps things a little bit spicy. And the reason why I'm grateful, A, is because I love them. I love them to death for sure. But B, because they're my, te my teachers in so many different ways. And so every time I interact with them, I learn something new about myself, which I'm able to apply to my life and help other people as well. So they are my biggest teachers. Oh my gosh. That was literally the follow-up question I had. Once you said your children, I was going to lead into what do you, what is the greatest thing that you've learned from your kids? Yeah. Yeah. I, you know what I, I learned from my kids. The biggest thing is affection and cool. yeah. And the importance of affection, not only for giving it to my kids, but also receiving it from my children. And I didn't realize how much it impacts them and how much it impacts me. And especially as a man, that's, there's a little bit of a stereotype there for a lot of guys where there's a belief that we don't need affection. We absolutely need affection. And one of the first things that I do every morning is that my kids are nine and seven. So I'm still allowed to, they still allow me to cry, snuggle and in, into their beds with them. And I just snuggle first thing in the morning with each of them for 10 minutes, rub their backs, tell them I love them. And it's such a great feeling and an ability for us to connect. So that's what I'm grateful for. Lee, I love that. I remember, so I, I have other children, but before my life, before I made turn my life around, I was a deadbeat father and I was just a bad dude. And after I rehabilitated my life, and started to become a man finally. Not an oversized baby like I was. I was blessed to meet a woman who now I'm married to and actually have a successful relationship and marriage with. But I remember when I was around her kids at first, it was very, it was new for me. I didn't, I liked them, but I didn't really know how to love a child. I didn't really even know how to be a father or even a role model to children. And I was very fortunate that my wife was patient and taught me and but I'll never forget the day the girls, it was about six months into our relationship before we were married. I remember they, they broke my heart. And it was the first time I had really experienced that, a true heartbreak. And I thought, oh no, I'm done. Oh, wow. I, they, now, now I can love. And I just knew that they had to be wrapped around their fingers. And one of the things that I wish I would have known when I was younger is something that you just said is, Kids teach us so much. They teach us more about the world than it seems our life experience has given us, which is, uh, I don't know how to explain that, but the important things seem to all be coming through, the, through my children. Can you explain that? What is that all about? Wow. You know what? And there's a practical aspect, but there's also a spiritual aspect as well. 
So children, babies come into this world with a pure soul, you can say, yeah. a pure vibration. And unfortunately, this is the way life works. And fortunately, because there's growth involved, sometimes that can be challenged and sometimes it can be tainted. And we're influenced by other people's years. And a lot of those times, those behaviors aren't healthy. So the reason why children, why we gravitate, especially to babies, is because they're pure of heart, right? They have none of those influences that we do as adults, where it's like the pressures of bills, pressures of looking a certain way or feeling a certain way or having a certain amount of status. So I think in a lot of ways, going back to childhood, looking at a child as a pure soul, it allows us to remove a lot of those responsibilities as well. And those restrictions that we put on ourselves as adults. And I think some of the most fulfilling aspects of life, and this is one of the core concepts of Buddhism, is that we are just big children if we allow ourselves to be. Right? We still have to be mature. We still have to take care of our kids and be responsible in social society. But we got to stop taking things so seriously. And, and that's one of our biggest challenges where kids don't always take things as seriously. And they're just, they get to fool around. They get to play is so important. When I talk to a lot of the individuals that we work with and I ask them, when was the last time you had fun or you got to play? And they just sit there and scratch their head. It's like, yeah, when was the last time? And uh, for most people, they don't get that opportunity. So that's, I think that's where children remind us to play and have fun. It's so beautiful. I love that answer. This is such a, just, it's just a perfect answer. I, for me, it's my healing literally came from going back to my childhood memories or my childhood dreams and visions, things that I abandoned when trauma hits and just experiencing life growing up and I forgot the dream. And I got to this place of where I didn't believe that my dreams were even possible. You know, and, I, and I was like, I just need to do what my dad tells me to do. And I need to step into that career. I need to do this. All things that I hated and rejected, but I was doing it because that's what my parents wanted for me or my dad wanted for me. And, and it was pain, but I was miserable. It was miserable. And when I made my life change, when I gave my life to God, I, part of that was the commitment to seek what I was created to do. And that was the things that I was dreaming and having visions about. And literally it's allowed me to be a kid again, to have faith like a child, the joy like a child. And every day of my life feels like a gift because even though I'm doing real world things, at my heart, I'm just playing and I'm expressing, I'm getting to do what I love. And it just, it's changed everything for me. Why, where did this happen? Because I see it now through the lens of my kids that if you don't break their spirit, you encourage them to dream, you encourage them to play, like, they, they become confident and strong kids and they have great discernment and they learn. And yes, they're still little kids. I have a six and seven year old, but I can see them grow with confidence and strength all while playing and being a kid. Where do you think this happened where somewhere along the lines of growing up, becoming teenagers or growing out of adolescence that we quit dreaming and quit playing and quit believing in those things. Like, where do you think that all happened? I think there's a number of factors. There's, there's a societal factor. I think that happens, A, just from being parented. Because <laughs> us as parents, we're not taught to be effective parents. Like, and no offense to any of the moms and dads out there. I'm still learning every single day that I go. And I'm like, oh, I have to redo that strategy. I can't, I can't operate that way with my children because this is the impact. 
No one teaches us how to be effective parents except for our own parents. That's where we model it from. And if they haven't learned, then it just gets passed down from generation to generation. And that is one of the biggest challenges is our school system right now doesn't teach us in any way how to have effective relationships, bottom line, and let alone parenting. Like they should have parenting 101. I know it sounds silly, but they should talk about that in high school and make it a mandatory thing. So people, you know, at even at 16 and 17, they can understand a little bit about parenting so that when they're ready, they can actually do it straight out of the gate. The other thing too, and I mentioned is, it's a school system. School system is designed to create workers. It's not designed to create people that live into their own dreams and aspirations. So the whole structure and design of the school system is flawed. It's not, a, it's not conducive to having your, nurturing your children to grow up to be who they should be based on their biology, based on their spirit and their soul. It's designed to say you should fit in this particular category and go to work and make X amount of dollars and be this cookie cutter approach in, in our country today. Th that works for some people and that's why it doesn't work for other kids. Some kids just rebel when they go to school because it doesn't align with them. Like I, we're fortunate enough to be able to send our kids to Montessori school. Oh, and nice. the Montessori program is designed to allow kids to flourish in their own behavior, in their own interests. And that's why I absolutely love it. They treat them, it's funny, like little adults, right? Mm -hmm. They're allowed to make their own decisions. They have to understand the repercussions, but they treat them that way. And I can say I'm so proud of my kids because they're flowering into their own personality. And my wife and I, one of the things that we have conversations about all the time, Joshua, is we see a behavior in them and we have to be very careful not to stifle it because based on our expectations, we can't say that is the way that they should grow up to be. Like, yeah, they, sh they shouldn't be throwing stuff around the house or hurting each other and hitting each other. But in terms of behavior, like my daughter, for example, loves to wear, like she looks like this girl from like the 60s, hippie slash 80s. She wears like fluorescent stuff and bands. And and my wife has a different style. And she's like, what are you wearing? You're just... You it, it, but I'm like, you know what? We got to nurture it because that's who she is. So it's a combination of that. There's actually one other element too. Is interesting enough when we're children, we have the most number of brain cells. Huh. And yeah, when especially ba when you're babies, what ends up happening is there's a process called synaptic pruning. So after a certain age, after the age of, so it's roughly after seven, our brain starts to cut down the number of brain cells and connections. The, because if we had so many, basically it'd be so hard to think, right? We have to function sure. in society. So our creativity drops as a result of that over age. And so when our creativity drops, our play drops as well. So there's a biological aspect to it as well. And it's unfortunate that we have to go through that process, but our brain is actually changing and being less creative biologically. You are really into neuroscience, correct? Absolutely, yes. What has been the most surprising thing that you've learned about our brain? Ah, I think that a lot of the surprising thing I said, one, one of them is that a lot of it is theory. And we know what the brain is structured like anatomically. Like we know that we have so many cells and, but we don't necessarily know what makes it work. There's still the biggest question out there is what is the thought? <laughs> 
there's no scientist that can prove what a thought is. And it's interesting. Yeah, no one knows what a thought is. There's no scientific method to measure it. There's no scientific way to even figure it out. No scientist has really gotten to the point to say, I absolutely know what a thought is. That's because there is no way, there's nothing there. It just presents itself in our mind. So that is, that for me was phenomenal. That, that, all right. I, now I'm going to, I'm going to rewind just a little bit because I'm assuming you're Buddhist because you made the Buddhism comment. Oh, you there? Oh, there you are. Oh yeah. <laughs> I lost you for a second. So I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming you're Buddhist. Yes. No, actually I'm not Buddhist. I'm, oh. I'm Yeah. But my parents are origin is from India. Okay. Buddhism is just one of the philosophies that I studied throughout the years. I want to ask you about this because so I when I made my life change, it was surrendering to Christ, giving my life to the Lord and or to God. And but through that journey, that six year, seven year journey, I've started to make some connections that well, started reading the Bible completely different than it is. Like I'm reading it now more of as a metaphysical book. And like, for instance, this epiphany that the Garden of Eden is the brain, that Christ is actually inside of us. I mean, that all of these, all of our major religions tend to point to the kingdom of heaven, like it all ends up being the same thing. So I started to recognize some of these patterns, and I'm thinking, wait a second, maybe God is in our brain. Like, maybe those voices are God talking to us, and I don't have the answers but the very first thought that came to me when you were mentioning that, what is a thought? And I'm like, I was going, what is a thought? And then I start hearing the, my brain talk to me. I'm going, okay, where that thought come? Is it possible that all of these organized religions that we have around the world are really pointing to the same thing, but yet are designed by man in some way to almost get us to the truth, but keep us confused enough that we almost don't get there? What do you think about that? Yeah, I think I've studied a number of different philosophies. And essentially, majority of them, if we take a look at a religion or a philosophy, ultimately what it is, a way of living. That's what it is. It's a way of living. And for the most part, most of them agree on certain principles. Take care of each other. We're all about, it's about humanity. It's about something bigger than us. And don't do bad things. Like pretty much they all, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But all of them do talk about something bigger. And that is the most interesting thing about all of them is that, okay, there has to be more to this. Or where are we getting these experiences from? Where's all this energy coming from? What exists? Like where did the universe come from? All of this, there's so many unanswered questions as well. But the common denominator is that there's more to this than what we think in the physical world or what we feel. And so I don't have any answers outside of that because I'd just be guessing. Oh, I know. And that's what it feels like. It, and because of that, because I went from being so dadgum sure about this is the exact right thing to going, maybe things are not as black and white. Maybe it's not as black and white as good and evil. Maybe these there's a lot of shades of gray in here. And maybe... Yes. And I also fully recognize that there's a lot more that I know, or I'm sorry, <laughs> rewind. There's a lot more that I don't know than I know. Yeah. And if the last three years has proved anything, they're rewriting history right in front of our face. It's just every week something changes. So I love that answer. And that's kind of where I'm at too. 
which has also positioned me to have more compassion, more understanding, and really more love for other people out there, especially the ones that are very certain about their beliefs. Because mm. it that almost seems like you're setting yourself up for a sneak attack or a surprise or some kind of disruption where I don't think, again, everything is so black and white. I really want to see, like, the thing that just rips my heart apart the most um, is right now we it feels so divided. And it seems like there's something new every day that's thrown into the media that is is meant to cause dissension amongst the people. And I'm ready to see all that change. What do you think the right approach? Because, well, yeah, let me, what do you think the right approach is for us as a species, as human beings, to be able to wrong the rights of the past and bring healing into the world? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I don't know if there's a way, like we can't change the past. That is the reality. But to learn from it, I think is the most important thing. And that's why we have things like history lessons and so forth. But you touched on something really interesting, which is beliefs, because beliefs are what causes our biggest challenges in the world. Wow. Because our beliefs, because we hold on to them so tightly <laughs> and we don't tend to evolve them or change them. A lot of those times, those beliefs can be outdated. And a lot of times they are. And the interesting thing about beliefs is that they can be factual or they can be non-factual, meaning that they're not really based on a lot of stuff. They're based on maybe what our parents taught us, maybe what we see in the news, a movie that we watched. Unconsciously, our beliefs are an interesting thing. Someone once said to me something really interesting. He said, hold your beliefs very loosely but hold on to your values very tightly. And that for me was a profound moment because I think underlying all of the beliefs that we have as a human species are things like family. Regardless of let's say political differences, whatever it is, it's family, it's kindness, it's compassion, right? All of these things. But what we tend to do is we overshadow that with our beliefs. <laughs> and that is the bigger challenge and we don't really test our beliefs. No one teaches in school, unless you take psychology classes, how you develop beliefs, how you challenge beliefs. Even in psychology, though, depending on the teacher, they're coming from a philosophy. Her teaching is actually rooted in the philosophy of where they learn from. Yes. So that can be skewed. Yeah, everything, everything has a bias. Every single word <laughs> that's... that's coming out of my mouth has a bias. Mine too. Yeah. It's based on my life experiences, which has created my own beliefs. So I'm speaking based on the beliefs that I have. There's no other way about it. Like I wouldn't be able to speak if I didn't have beliefs. And so how do we change that is we have to start understanding each other's belief systems. And we have to start understanding, okay, maybe there's nothing wrong with that person's belief system. Maybe there's some point that we can meet in the middle somehow, because essentially our values may align. And so that is the bigger conversation and that's the bigger challenge because no one likes it when their beliefs are challenged. It, this is how powerful it is. Even individuals don't like to challenge their own beliefs. We, ha we have this thing called cognitive dissonance where we will actually change reality to line, align with our own belief systems because it's so scary to say, maybe the way I've been living isn't exactly the best way or maybe that decision I made wasn't the best decision because that was based on an old belief system 
or an outdated belief system? I used to say all the time, how big is your faith if it can't be challenged? It's you talk, people talk about, oh, I have a bold faith, but yet they want to stay in an echo chamber and hear the same thing, the same messages recycled over and over again. And there's no growth there. If anything, it just re you become lukewarm or stagnant and you're not growing. And to me, that's dying. Yeah. Uh, I, for a while, I did really good about, I purposefully challenged my beliefs to a point and I couldn't get anyone to challenge it enough. So I'm just going along life with the same belief system. But it took, I was reading the Bible one day and then all of a sudden, like something I heard and saw dramatically changed everything for me because of the course it took me on. And I wasn't expecting that, but that is really what led me outside of the Bible into other texts as well, looking for wow. more complete information. The Bible led me to that because when I recognized the possibility and even likelihood that the Garden of Eden is in our actual brain, and again, there's a whole four-hour talk about this attached to it, but like when I saw that, I thought, wait a second, maybe I've been looking at this wrong because if God's only external, that if I that's my my the way I feel about myself personally is a reflection of only seeing God outside of me. The minute I start to think that maybe God is inside of me as well, that means God is inside of you. So the way I treat you is really an even bigger reflection on me and my relationship with God and my relationship with myself. And it just shifted this wild adventure that I wasn't expecting to be on. But with that, I feel like I finally found myself or at least have gotten to a place where I'm confident enough to move forward, even if it's alone, because I don't feel alone anymore in doing that. And I don't know how all that happened, but it did. It's been <laughs> life changing. Wow, that's amazing. I think everything that you said there is, from my perspective, completely aligned with my uh, existing beliefs right now and how I perceive the world to be because we are, and this is the core concept of being the complete man. It really starts from within. And that is a journey where it starts. Whereas most people start to look at it from the outside, like you said, and they try to fix their business or they try to fix their relationship or they try to fix something else, how much money they have without actually going inside and working on themselves internally. Because that where is where the source energy is. That is where everything starts, right? That's ground zero. And I do agree with you. We can call it God, right? And once we connect with that person within ourselves, we can actually truly connect with other individuals. And that is, and just like you said, at that point, like you're able to do that. And I think that's why we have a lot of people that are cut off, right? Isolated, not feeling good about themselves um, because they're looking for it for that you can say feeling from ex the external world where it really starts from within. So good. So I want to ask you something. How does the complete man feel about traditional gender roles? I think the gender roles as part of society, if we understand what gender roles are, it's basically just like a role. It's like when you go to work and someone does marketing and someone does sales, well, it's not, hey, marketing is more important than sales or I'm better than you. It really is. We're working as a team. We just have different things that we do. So from that perspective, I think gender roles are fine. I actually think that they work well. And what I mean by that is I grew up in a traditional Indian household where my mom did certain things and my dad did certain things, but they both worked hard and they didn't have an issue with the roles. So the difference though, is when we start to say you're a woman and you need to cook or you're <laughs> a man. And yeah, good luck on that one. Right. <laughs> or 
you're a man and you need to do this. That doesn't go very well. The thing with roles is it has to work for both people. So that is the difference. So I actually prefer them in our relationship, like with my wife, but that doesn't mean I'm any better than my wife. That doesn't mean my wife is any better than me. We work as a team. Yeah. And I think for every family, it's going to be different. So such a good answer. It's such a good answer. And I wasn't even trying to throw you a curveball, but I really want to talk about what a complete man is because religion or even society has their own view of what that should be. And then of course there's the talk that, what is it? Toxic male or to- I forgot even what it's called, but toxic masculinity. Yeah, yeah, there you go. And you, all this stuff is out in the media and there's a lot of people confused like men or have forgotten to act. I don't even want to say act like men because that's not even fair either because it's yeah. that's a that's a stupid stigma. Like I see it, it even messes me up because we've been, we're, I don't know how old you are, I'm 43. But what I've seen, I've gone from the traditional leave it to beaver home. That's what the idea was when I was growing up. And then it's just shifted into all kinds of things because of divorce and death and so on. But in this world, now, today, in 2023, what makes a complete man? And this is where I say it really starts from within. The complete man is a journey. It's not an end destination. So it's really about growth and continuing to evolve as an individual, as a human being, not just a man. So that that is the one core aspect of it. The second aspect is that I talk about being a mindful alpha male. And this is very important because there's a biological element to it. Because us as men, we're built a certain way. If you put men and women beside each other, you know, it doesn't take a genius to say we're different. Yeah, I got to your chest to me. Yeah, it's just, it's not hard to see the difference. And so there is a biological and a psychological difference. So us as men, we are programmed, majority of men, based on the energy that we have within ourselves, to the degree of whether it's masculine or feminine, we have both. But we are built to be the leaders. Like that is, that is how we are built as men. And if you're not an alpha male, what I mean by alpha male, the word alpha or the letter alpha is actually the first letter of the Greek alphabet. And that is the beginning. It's the origin, right? It's ground zero. So if you are not the creator of your destiny, if you are not the beginning, then you're going to get a destiny that's given to you. And most of the time you don't like that. And that is the difference between someone who takes charge of their life and someone who does not. You have to be the creator. The other part of the alpha male aspect is, again, it's been misconstrued because people think of a wolf pack, right? The alpha male of a wolf pack. The number one purpose of the alpha male in a wolf pack is actually to protect and provide for the pack. That's the number one role, right? It's not to control. It's not to say, hey, I'm the alpha male and you get to do whatever I want you to do and I'm all great and you're not. But we're here as a family. We're here to survive and thrive. And so that in our context as an alpha male, as human beings, as men, is to make sure that we're contributing to our family members, we're protecting our family members, but also our community, right? Because it's not just our immediate family. So that is the aspect of alpha. But we have so many alpha males out there. But a lot of them are missing out on a core component, which is the mindful aspect, which is so important. So I grew up in a household where my great-grandfather was a spiritual teacher in India for 60 years. Wow. And 
my grandfather, who had actually immigrated over from India, and I lived with him and taught me so much about spirituality, mindfulness, meditation, was also in the army, in the Indian British army for 30 plus years. So he was a spiritual man, but also fought, right, in wars. And so I learned this whole dynamic spectrum. Yeah, it was such an interesting spectrum because he was one of the most mindful men I knew. And I learned a ton from him. And I just saw like this power that he had, this calmness that he had. And the same goes for my dad, but my dad was challenged with alcoholism. Had he not been challenged with alcoholism, I think my dad would have had just a completely different life because he emanated this whole alpha male aspect and mindfulness. It's just as drinking got the most of them. Sure. But being mindful is this. And, the Buddha, and it's another Buddhist philosophy where they say, when you act, think about the ripple effect that it will have throughout the universe and generations to come. But also laugh at yourself as though it's actually going to make a difference. Meaning that be conscious and aware and mindful of what you are doing because it could have an impact on generations to come. And we know that is true because us as fathers, when we parent our sons, that has an impact in terms of sons and daughters. That has an impact in terms of how they parent their kids. And it's a ripple effect. And the other aspect is also don't take yourself so seriously, right? <laughs> Learn to have fun. Learn to play, right? It's not the end of the world if you make a mistake, but be aware of your intentions. So when you combine those two aspects of being a mindful person and an alpha male, you bring those together. It's very powerful because now you're able to create your destiny. Now you're able to provide for your family and do the things that you're supposed to be doing. But then you're also being very mindful and it's a positive impact that you're having on yourself and those you love in society, not necessarily a detrimental impact. That is so good. What are you most proud of? Outside, <clears throat> I think you're going to say family probably. So other than family, of all the things that you've accomplished and you, you are a high achiever in every sense of the word, what's... What accomplishment are you most proud of? I would say that the most accomplishment, I can't narrow it down to one particular thing, but I would say it's this, is my ability to learn and grow every single day. That for me is the most important thing because there's every single day I'm like, ah, you know what? I could have done that better. Here's how I'm going to change my approach. And it becomes so, when I'm able to do that, because I know every day, it's not about me comparing myself to other people. It's about me comparing myself to a day ago, a month ago, a year ago. And that for me has enabled me to have a better quality life. So that's what I'm most proud of is I get to wake up every morning and say, I'm a better person based on my own standards, my own way of life and do that every single day that I wake up. Beautiful answer. Okay, last question. So your family's from India. You were born here in America, right? Actually, Canada, so I'm Canadian. Oh, you were born in Canada. Okay. Yeah. So let me ask you this. From a cultural standpoint, what do you wish... What piece of Indian culture do you wish that the United States or Canada shared with India? I think I got the question correctly. Yes. What do you miss the most and that you wish that you could see here in America or Canada? Yeah, you know what? I think it would be a sense of 
although we have it here, I don't think it's as strong. It's a sense of community. And what I say by that is like the village, right? Mm -hmm. Because in India, you still have villages. You have these tiny villages and the survival of the village is dependent on anybody, everybody within it. And so us in the Western world, we've really gotten into individualism. And that's the difference between the Eastern culture and the Western culture. The, probably the biggest significant difference aside from technology, because the technology gap is really closed. But it's really, you can say, being people-centered and society-centered versus being individual. I can't even say it. Individualistic. And so I wish that would change because I think there's just a lot of opportunity there. There's a lot of happiness there. And economically, I think that would enable us to be a lot more powerful as well. And I think we'd have a lot less polarity within whether it's a political environment or whatever it is. So that is the one thing that I would say is if we start to think as a community and as a nation rather than as individuals. I think, yeah, I think maybe that is here in the United States, we are a capitalist nation and there's a lot of the drive for wealth and success and that is disruptive for family life. I, this is why I admire you so much because you are a success. You are successful in all areas of your life, but even before you became the complete man, you were successful in business then also. And that balance is tough. And you walked away from the corporate life and running a billion dollar organization to now you're doing all of these other things. You have a successful podcast, TV show, an amazing book. You got your family, like all of that's amazing. And what's cool about that is you're not lacking in one area, at least that I can see. There's not a void. You're not neglecting your family. You're doing it all. And to me, this like that is a beautiful example of how us men get to be. We can be successful. We can have all the things, but we can also have a family as well. And yeah. you great example of that. And I just of all the things that you accomplished that I'm aware of, I I just I have so much respect for that aspect of it that it's so important to you because I do I, I think about my own journey and where I believe that I'm going and what I get to do and what I'll get to accomplish. The thought of doing it without my family sounds like hell to mm. me now. For before it was all about me all about the excess and debauchery and the party and all of that. But now it just has a whole other meaning. So I just want you to know, like for me, like you're somebody I look up to and admire. I just super grateful for your time today. Yeah, thank you. And I appreciate the kind comments. I really appreciate that. And I can tell that you are an awesome person. And I think the one thing, if I can leave the audience with something is this whole concept of the complete man, it's a never ending journey. Like I'm not even the complete man because I'm continuing to learn and grow. And that's the most important thing. So once we feel like we've gotten, this is really important. Once we feel like we've gotten and we are the complete man, that's a sign that we need to continue to go because we are not. And so that that is important for us to understand because you talked about something, Joshua, and I think we're probably coming to the very end here. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. But for sure, you can say anything you want to say. I think that it's important because no, every part of our life will not be perfect all the time. It's true. And that is the core concept, again, of the complete man. We have to understand that if our business is going well, maybe our relationship at that time might not be going well. 
or maybe there might be a health issue. But if you are able to focus on all areas of your life, at least when one isn't going that great, you still have the other about others to be proud of and fall back on. And the challenge for most men is that's not what happens. We tend to focus typically in those areas of business, money, status, lust, whatever it might be, and forget about those other aspects. So that's the last thing I want to leave with the audience is you'll be a lot more fulfilled. And it's almost like a, it's a diversification strategy for your portfolio as well. If you have a strong family, you have strong kids, strong health, if your relation, or if your business isn't going well, you have something to fall back on. And that's the most important thing. That's so beautiful. Please tell everybody where they can buy your book, find your podcast, watch your TV show, and just support your journey. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. So we are this year actually going full force on our YouTube channel. It just started. So we're going to be pushing that. And you can go to youtubeformen.com. If you like a copy of, there's an ebook and digital audio cop combo, you can go to completemanaudio.com. And if you use a promo code VICTORY75, so the word VICTORY and then the number 75, all together, you'll get 75% off. And then feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. That's pretty much the predominant channel that I use. And I look forward to hearing from you. Awesome. You are an absolute blessing. So honored to have you here. Thank you. Thank you, Joshua, for having me. All right. Take care.